This is Pastor Welcome back to episode 5. Here's part 2. Alright, fellas. Let's talk, let's, talk some fo- let's talk some football, shall we? Now, uh, NFL's over. Uh, or the NFL season's over. Postseason's over. Now we're in the, um, the wild time of the NFL offseason. A lot of coaching hires. Draft stuff is coming up. The combine is about to uh, start here in the next next two weeks, I believe. But fellas, what really matters more than anything isn't the football that is over. It's the football that just started. That's right. We're doing a full minute of XFL action starting right the fuck now. Let's go. Now it's time for Caesars XFL Minute. All right, guys, Ben DiNucci, Cowboys legend, absolutely electrified audiences against the Washington Defenders as he threw two interceptions that cost his team the game, but had one mildly entertaining pass to, uh, what's his name, The Flash, Josh Gordon? That's right, Josh Gordon is still alive and kicking. <laughs> you can't what? suspend him from, that's right, the XFL can't suspend him. All righty, weed is legal in that league, I think, I assume. Alrighty, guys. Now let's keep things local with the uh, the Arlington Renegades. Renegades. They have a quarterback Renegades. named Drew Plitt. Where does he <laughs> from? <laughs> Who knows? But he led the team to a 22-20 victory over the Las Vegas team. And that's what we're going to call them, the Las Vegas team. Wait, I was gonna say, Wait are they a racial Las slur Vegas or something? Called? I don't even know, guys, but I'm running short on time. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's all you need to know, that they won the game, and that's it. That's a full minute of XFL news, baby. Love it. That's all Ooh. we're going to dedicate to them. All right, but yes, we're going to uh, we're gonna do this for the next nine weeks, guys, uh, where I will give us exactly one minute of XFL news. Hell yeah. All right. All right, well, let's go ahead and continue with actual football news. Because the XFL is only going to last this season before it dies out again. All right, guys. I have a couple of things that I want to bring to the table today. And it's going to start off with two quarterbacks in particular. We're going with contract talks, baby. We have Danny Dimes, uh, who is reportedly asking for $45 million. I just just want you guys to, to understand this. We need a middle class of, of quarterback contracts. And Danny Dimes needs to be the poster boy for this. $45 million, is that the starting rate for an elite quarterback or a quarterback that you believe is elite? That's fine. Whatever. $40, $45 million or higher. I'm all for it. Guys, I, I'm going to throw some names out here for you. right? Not, we're not going to talk quarterback, uh, what they're making or anything like that. But I'm going to throw some names out here. And I want you guys to tell me whether you believe that uh, Daniel Jones needs to be, or Daniel Jones and these quarterbacks are what we should consider the middle class of the NFL. First and foremost, let's go ahead and start with a guy that I always like to rag on. Uh, he is beloved in the heart of Patrick, uh, Kirk Cousins. I believe Kirk Cousins upper middle class. I believe he is the upper middle sure. class. I believe what this year he was making just under forty million a year. Sounds right. There we go. All right, the next guy up on this list, Tannehill. 
Ryan Tannehill from the Tennessee Titans. If anything, this is the fully evolved form of Daniel Jones. An athlete who eventually gets to become a pretty decent quarterback, but you know what you get, and it's not, like, over the top. I think he's right in there with Kirk Cousins in the upper middle class of NFL football. And then next up, a free agent that we have is Derek Carr. I think this guy is in the in that level of, of uh, middle class right here with uh, Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill. You know he's not going to take you over the top, but if you put a good roster around him, it, he could probably get you somewhere mildly far in the playoffs. Do I think these guys are as good as uh, Daniel Jones? I, I think they're all better than him. But I think Daniel Jones will eventually, once he reaches his the peak of his ability, is going to be in that level. And I think it's still not good enough to be worth $45 million. Gentlemen, what are your takes on, on Daniel Jones asking for this much money, reportedly? Um, well, I mean... I- so there's two different schools of thought where I'm thinking. Like, I know with Dak, it was like, uh, is he good enough to make this money? And then there was this argument of, of no, probably not. But he doesn't do it now. You end up paying more, blah, blah, blah. Like, even right now, as controversial as he might be to the fans, to whoever, uh, Dak is in a position where they're telling him, or fans seem to see, like, the really educated fans seem to say, hey, re-sign him now because now is the cheapest time to do it. Um, obviously this wouldn't be the cheapest time to do it for them, but nonetheless, it's almost like, do you really have a choice? And then the other question, I guess, or part of it is, are we starting to see more teams building systems around quarterbacks to where I no longer need to give a shit about 15 and five being a bad number. I just need to try to figure out if I can get him closer to 25 and even 10, if that has to happen, cause he's throwing more, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, we just saw Jalen hurts have a very like, you know, decent season, but like a lot of times it's just, he does all these other little things. So it's like, if there's, if you're building the team a specific way, um, is it fine to just, because you trust in him to be a dual threat quarterback to run your offense correctly and you provide him the tools, does it then make it easier to swallow the contract? Fair, fair. What about you, Patrick? What do you, what do you think? What's your take on this? I don't know if that's one of those, if that's what he's actually asking for, if that's what the team's saying that he's asking for to get the public thinking something bad or who knows. It's all negotiations. Um, But the market keeps growing and uh, the Browns kind of fucked everybody and no one's really been able to do anything about that since. This is, I mean, that, that plays in his favor. He'll probably get franchise tagged, right? Yeah, so there are a couple of tags that the Giants can use. They can use the franchise tag uh, or the transition tag. Now, the transition tag essentially would allow another team to try to sign them, if I yeah, remember that correctly. Yeah, and then they can just match, which I assume the Giants will use the transition tag on Saquon and then the franchise tag on uh, Daniel Jones. Yeah. Or Raven, that, that leads me to the next oh, shopping. We're talking Lamar Jackson, baby. What happens well, when Tua gets hurt? No, Tua's oh, getting man. Caleb Williams. Y'all saw that? Caleb Williams yeah, said yeah. the Dolphins got to draft him. 
there we go. Uh, future franchise quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, Caleb Williams. Let's hope they don't roll him out with a concussion as well, like the Dolphins did with Tua. But yes, guys, it's time. We talked some Lamar Jackson in here. This is a guy who should be setting the market uh, compared to Daniel Jones, of all people. Now, the reports are uh, Lamar Jackson wants a fully guaranteed deal in the same amount, to the same extent that Deshaun Watson got one. Like you mentioned earlier, Patrick, the Cleveland Browns really fucked it up for everybody. Although, if we go further back, yeah. if we go further back, the Minnesota Vikings gave out the first fully guaranteed contract to a quarterback. So, uh, I, don't, I don't, but not to this amount, not to this extent. Now, the, the problem is uh, Jackson wants a quarterback or wants a contract reportedly similar in length, about five years, $230 million, a little bit around that number. I think I saw a number where the uh, the Ravens wanted to give Lamar that number, but with like $133 million in guarantees, which Lamar rightfully just scoffed at. Listen, I understand the... Uh, <laughs> The hesitancy in wanting to get Lamar, he has been hurt the last the last two years, uh, but also he's wasn't he a unanimous MVP in his second season starting? Like you don't you don't get that kind of production from a guy who didn't really have a lot of he's and he still hasn't had a lot of receiver talent around him. He does make a lot of things happen with his legs, and because he can do things with his legs, it does allow him to have uh, man coverage across the board allowing him to make some of the good throws that he, he's capable of making. Now, guys, this is less about talking about if Lamar Jackson deserves the money or not, because I think we could all say that he probably does, although we might have our reservations in regarding his health and essentially how long of a shelf life he may have because of the way that he plays football. Yeah, I think I mean, that's, the, that's the reason why you don't give him the largest contract ever, because there's no proof of any quarterback lasting long play like that. I mean, you're right, but I think the one thing that run that running quarterbacks and quarterbacks who are used to running can do that say a pocket passer can't is that they could they know how to protect themselves when they do get hit. Right? They know how to fall down and, and to the ground rather than a, a pocket quarterback who like say Tua for example, he goes down and he never really does anything to protect himself. I don't know. I mean, I'd say, I mean, obviously the guys who play the longest have learned, you know, like Brady and Rogers have learned how to how to take their hits. Matt Ryan's learned how to take a hit. Yeah, but that's. Uh, I mean, those are those are two of the three. Okay, two of those three are elite quarterbacks. Yes, and then the other one's Matt Ryan, who's had moments of elite play, but also moments of like, what the fuck are you doing, Matt Ryan? But I mean, just we just the history of running quarterbacks, they don't last very long. True, but hopefully now we'll we'll get more of a uh, a more of a steady sample size. I think you're kind of seeing that with Dak Prescott over the last two years of he can't really play his run around scatter game anymore. Now that's Maybe. just decreased what he what he can do entirely as a as a quarterback. I mean, yeah, oh, I guess that's right. But also part of that is because he had a freak injury that, I mean, I I don't think anybody who, who with any expectations of like, yeah, a quarterback or anybody could get hurt in a game would, re, would expect to see something as horrific as the injury that he suffered. 
this is less about this conversation and more about gentlemen. I want to I wanted to talk about some trade possibilities for Lamar Jackson. Now, early in the season, we did kind of uh, talk about it. About I this was what's before Jalen Hurts had arrived, and I was like, yeah, let's 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 get let's get Lamar Jackson up in Philly. I'm okay now. I'm okay now. Jalen can stay. Jalen can stay. All right, here we go. First and foremost on my list, this is the team that I most want to see him uh, on, and I think that uh, Patrick would hate for this to happen. The Detroit Lions. <laughs> Poor Jared Goff. <laughs> yeah, right. Honestly, that would be such a Jared. Like, if that's Jared Goff's career, that would be just. I kind of think that would fit. Getting traded for a superior quarterback. Twice. Twice. And then, what if they I, won the Super Bowl in Detroit? And he. They won't. Well, hey. Yeah, but like, come on, bro. That you just got to play the game with us here. Yeah, you you got to take your hater glasses off for just a second. Yeah, yeah. See, see oh, look at the, that. He's refusing to acknowledge the Detroit Lions <laughs> at all right now. It's a, it's a universe I don't want to exist in. Dude, that would Listen, be so in, crazy, though. Like, I mean, like that. I feel like he would fit in Detroit, though. I mean, that Him would be and, awesome. That'd be like one of the coolest players they've gotten in a very long time. He'd have a great yeah. offensive line to work with. Amon St. Brown's a really good wide receiver. Uh, Jamison Williams is going to be the burner that he so sorely is lacked in, in Baltimore. TJ Shark can make some plays down the field. That would be a dangerous team. I would I would put money on on a Lamar Jackson-led Detroit Lions to win the, the NFC North. All right, here's my next two teams. This one I would personally hate, and I doubt that they would do it, but it's a team that, with a fan base that said, if we just had a quarterback, we would win the Super Bowl. It's the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, that'd be interesting, yeah. Uh, it feels hard would, to see that happening, though, given the situation. Yeah, I, I, I believe that the, the entire situation from just from their cap space, I'm, which I'm not totally privy to right now, uh, how much they have, but I know they don't have that much. I well, think they're like, somewhere like in the middle class. Are you going to trade your quarterback that you just drafted really high and then watch to break his leg? I'm sure strategically you would, but like, is that possible? I mean, there's this idea of like sunken cost fallacy that NFL teams just need to ignore, right? Like, listen, you you traded all these things for him. He's a developmental quarterback, and I this is not a team that has the time to develop a guy. And I mean, they're they've been drafting now. a new quarterback every year, so yeah, it's not like. They have yeah, been planning on doing that anyways. Like they're gonna keep doing it, so they might as well just trade trade Trey Lance. They don't really seem yeah, to be the the problem with, with that though is that you know it's it is the third overall pick that they spent on him, which is what and I think yeah, Rescue was alluding to. to. Get up, they spent a bunch to get up to get him. And now they could just flip it to Baltimore and be like, hey, listen, you could try the Lamar Jackson thing all over again with Trey Lance. <laughs> Maybe. And this would work really well for San Francisco, I think. Put him, put uh, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, it, and George Kittle on the field together. I think that'd be a, a pretty elite squad. All right, this final team, guys. We've heard it before. This is from his hometown, the Miami Dolphins. I think this is a team that I'm just like, you know what? I don't, I don't mind it. I don't, I don't mind it for Lamar. I don't mind it for the Miami Dolphins. What are we feeling on this one, guys? Are, is this, is this a pro? 
Are we pro Miami Dolphins for Lamar Jackson in this scenario? I think I think Patrick might be. I think they're holding out for Brady. Once two hurts himself. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, that's an interesting way. Or yeah. Or did they call um, the Hobbit Man out of his retreat and they say, "Hey, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> it's time for you to come to South Beach." You know, I I never really gave any month any any mind to the idea of um, Aaron Rodgers to Miami because we just hear Vegas, we hear the Jets. That I wouldn't be upset with that. Also, just to see Ayahuasca Rodgers with the Miami Dolphins would be hilarious, especially with that awful haircut that he likes to rock. I want him to stay right where he is. I'm happy with the current situation of things. There we go. All right, well, guys, that does it for the NFL segment. It was going to be really short. Next week, we're going to do a little bit more of a, a deep dive into the uh, head coaches that have been hired this this go around. And I'm going to have a, a new game where we go down all 32. Oh, wait, let me um let me rephrase this. Where we go through all 32 head coaches. <laughs> and we're going to start a bracket. And it's going to be a, a, a fight club style bracket. Who would you have? Who who do you have winning in a one a v, one v one? Yeah, one v one, bare knuckle brawl. Okay, okay. I mean, I already know there's a there's a favorite. I feel like there's an early favorite, but we'll talk about it then. Sounds good. And I will lay I will lay the ground rules. We're not going to make it unfair. I'm not I'm not going to make the Miko Ryan's fight. Uh, Bill Belichick. We we know how that would go. <laughs> You gotta set it up. Be... You gotta set it up like the NCAA tourney. I need him going. Up. I need that exact matchup. I need no. Bill's got too much gusto. I need who'd be the easiest uh, coach in the NFL? Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel. Yeah, yeah. Mike McDaniel. D'Amico Ryan's. <laughs> the one seed versus the thirty-two seed. I would also uh, say that Dan Campbell would be the better number one seed, just oh, because yeah. I, I, he, I believe that he would actually do it. D'Amico Ryan seems like a nice guy. Seems like a nice guy, but I'm just saying all the like, time. Hey, like a nice guy. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah I would, I would Dan say, Campbell has like a switch where he goes from the nicest human in the world to terrifying. He's gonna butt your kneecaps off. But his CTE flares up, and you're like, "Oh no!" But yeah, it's a good oh no. Once, once Andy Reid gets a hold of you, though, you're not. That's going true. Away. Andy Reid's probably got some low key wrestling moves that you don't expect. And Pete Carroll probably knows some kind of karate. Who knows? Pete Carroll knows jujitsu <laughs> down. <laughs> He's just doing fucking BJJ. Ooh, fat yeah. Mike is just gonna have to slug. He's gonna have to if he can't if he if he misses you he's done for. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, my guy's my guy's a non-factor. He's just a guy. Kevin O'Connell's one of he's in the skinny white dude, young white dude bracket yeah, as the just, head coach. He's just there. <laughs> He just exists. Okay. He, he basically replaces Cliff Kingsbury's space. Uh, that is true. That is very true. All right. Well, that does it for me, guys. I'm ready to pass the rock to Bethke. Oh, I'm ready to run with it. Or should we're, I say... We're in the fast break. Should I say, I'm ready to shoot it 30 times unguarded while everyone around me gets drunk off of expensive... Wait, could they... I, I've lost the track of the joke. Could they actually drink in Utah or not? They can't. It's, it's not an actual. It. Okay. It, it, I just I googled it when when Patrick said it. I was like, "There's no way to try state." Yeah, that'd be a terrible event to host dry. Uh, I don't think people would show up or yeah, because 
the anticipation and the liveliness that's happening in the crowd, we know where that source is. Shaq already gave it away a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. Yeah, there's uh, a world-famous pedophile in the audience. Oh, dude, that's a oh. perfect place to get started. Let's, Let's go. go. So I was going to talk about it. Um, dunk contest, uh, three-point contest, all the good all-star fun festivities. Um, the all-star game had all-time low ratings. I feel like that I should lead off with that. Um, you guys didn't watch. You didn't help, did you? You didn't watch. Nope. No. I, want to see uh, much second. I did. I did. I was a part of the low rating. I did watch this one live. I watched everything else uh, in highlights. But Was it uh, TNT, TBS? Yeah, it was TNT. Um, they had a lot of wild broadcasting decisions. I think the most wild one was having Luca do a live broadcast while playing, but then playing is also loosely defined. But it was like, it was like, it was just giving Luca less They've reason to try. During the uh, MLB All Star game, it's awesome. Yeah, because baseball, just you could do that. <laughs> yeah. It makes no sense to try to have somebody actually try to compete in a basketball game and do a live interview at the same time. Uh, it's a foul. Like it, it, it was great that they gave it to Luca though, because it, it was kind of like, well, he's not going to try anyway. Um, so it was funny to see that. I died laughing. Um, the broadcast was fine. Otherwise, uh, the game itself took forever to get started. Like that was crazy. It was like two hours of pregame stuff. Like they did the all-star picking and then they celebrated LeBron and then they celebrated something else. And then they celebrated, um, something else and then they brought in post malone to do a concert it was just a lot dude it took like two hours from the time they picked teams which was funny entertaining it took so long yeah uh, yeah weren't lebron's first two picks Kyrie and luca yeah of, of the all-star starters yeah they guys uh, you have to know he wants to be I'm a maverick so sure, bad i'm pretty sure those were actually though his last two picks i'm pretty sure he Announced them in reverse order. Well, they, um, so what they did Joe was. Pitch. Well, yeah, they had them pick the reserves. So we didn't know who starters. the last pick was. That was the but best part. There's no way, there's no way Joe Kick wasn't the first pick. Um, well, I don't think so. I think that was how it went. I mean, to be fair, Nicola even said he didn't know why anybody would pick him. He said, I'm awful for this game. It doesn't player, mean anything. I'm not going to try. The best player in basketball. Well, he's he said himself he's not going to try, and he doesn't. Luca doesn't try either. Like, either way, we're getting back no, to does. to the point of what the 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 game was awful, like awful, awful, hilariously bad. It was it was a shootout. Like, Tatum, uh, Mitchell, and uh, and Dame Lillard, who were all three on the same team, basically just were like, boom, let's go, let's shoot. And nobody was really contesting. There was a little bit of fun. Um, Brown and Tatum went back and forth a little bit whenever we, we kind of tell the crowd was agging it on. Uh, but yeah, dude, that was about as bad an all-star game as I think has ever been broadcast. Yeah, it didn't go over very well for a lot of people. Um, the dunk contest, I think, was the best contest or the best thing that happened. Uh, Seas, did you watch that? You've been talking a lot about Mac. Mac McClung. Listen, I've only seen Mac McClung highlights. I haven't seen anybody else's because i saw that last dunk and like oh shit that's how a white man dunks a basketball <laughs> he should have had like a straight 50 uh yeah i heard thing. he said leslie gave him a 49 yeah he was really what good like fuck? he did a really good job and to be fair this is why the dunk contest is kind of stupid anyway it's cooler because he's 6'2 trey murphy had some really good dunks 
Um, there was some interesting dunks that uh, KJ was ju- doing, but like he's just not, he's a bigger guy. And yes, he's got they, the Jericho Sims. They've all got great athletic hops, but they're all bigger guys. So some of these dunks just don't look as cool as if somebody that's six, two pulls them off. And it's always been the weird part. It's why those guys, the big guys won't compete. Cause like, what's LeBron going to do a bunch of tomahawks. Like we see him do it all the time, you know? Oh yeah. Dwight, Dwight won without even dunking. He literally just threw a ball into the hoop from a right. Bullet. And a lot yeah, of Dwight was, was winning because he had like a lot of narrative stuff, right? So that's what I was going to say. There was some good ones. There were some creative ones. So Trey Murphy had a fun one where I think he missed on purpose. And then he got the ball to go do like another one. And his teammate, Jose Alvarado, stole the ball from him and then went to like go to do a layup, but then popped it off the back- backboard for Trey to slam, which isn't that crazy of a dunk. But just a real, I like that. That's creative, it's obviously. Watch, yeah. it, it's it's what Jose does. He comes out of nowhere in games. If you don't know the gimmick, he comes out of nowhere or he hides in the backcourt when the ball is inbounded and he tries to steal the ball from the point guard who's not paying attention. So it was just a fun little nod to that. I thought it was a good first dunk at least. Um, so I just want to point the creativity out because creativity is really hard to do. Um, oh, I just saw it. I just saw it. That's, that, that's a really good one. Yeah, it's just a really fun one. Yeah, that's my problem with the dunk contest is like what, what are they going to show me that – they haven't seen before. This year had some of that. This year did. It was good. Mac McClung, all all of his dunks were awesome. They were all really fun, and that's really not, creative. Does not say that these players aren't smart, fun, great at basketball. It's just that there's only so many different ways to dunk a basketball, and they've been doing it for forty years now. Well, and they they had, like I said, that's why any innovation's awesome. Mac had some innovative ones, so he did the whole jump over two guys stacked on top of each other with the basketball. This time he slapped sick. it off the backboard first and then slammed it um his vertical was just nuts yeah he had a lot of crazy ones that you had to like re- rewind like in live they were kind of cool but like you rewatch them and you're just like holy shit that was crazy um but now, one- i never thought a guy Before. who looks like he shops at chubby's would, would dunk a basketball like that virginia bro virginia low-key will put out a put out a couple of them boys um but yes magma Clinton definitely is a Funny looking uh, basketball superstar, <laughs> prosper, you know, somebody to make that uh, all star leap and, and have fun with everybody at the game and be a big name, even if he's just a two way contract dunker. You know, he's been a big Instagram celebrity, and I think it was smart to let him let him join. Yeah, we need more of those. Um, I did want to commend. You know, go go ahead. Oh, before before you continue, uh, you know who he kind of reminds me of the what? the actor who plays Dexter. From the the Showtime, oh, oh Showtime, yeah, 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 yeah. kind of looks. Mike McClellan looks like he could be a serial <clears throat> killer. But yeah, so uh, we'll sum it up because I I don't want to go over. I really don't. It's all star game was boring. Um, Jericho Sims had a really awkward dunk. I would suggest anyone rewatch that where he like goes to dunk the ball. There's an envelope. He rips envelope open. It says fifty, but it wasn't a, like no one was going to give him a fifty for that boring ass dunk. Um, oh yes, I did see that. That was that, it was just kind of awkward. I didn't know you could do that. Um, and then the three point contest was hilariously bad. I wanted to talk about the fact that Julius Randle posted a thirteen. <laughs> Who saw that coming? <laughs> oh, everyone. Anyway, the one part that I did want to say, hey, I want to see this look better. Um, Go for up. context. What is a thirteen? A thirteen is not good. The highest score was a thirty one. <laughs> Uh, the okay. guys who all okay. got into the next round were 26, and Buddy Heald had 23. 
in the final round, Dame won with 26. Buddy Heald had 25. Halliburton had 17. But Dame did win on the last shot, so that was cool. Um, Halliburton's shot was pretty good that first round. He was only had 31, but he uh, has a weird shooting stroke, so I think that second round he was just dudding it. Um, anyway, the best thing that happened was the skills challenge, but the skills challenge was also sort of chaotic and half-assed. So I think they need to really promote the skills challenge better and have maybe a bigger field for it because it's really fun. You have like these different bounce pass ones where the guys have to do the little drills to go through like uh, their floaters. They have to go through just an in and out pattern, like all these really like simple things that a pro should be able to do. And it's fun to watch them do a showcase against it. Now they all were awful. Like Utah came in there with Jordan Clarkson, not even wearing real NBA pants, like shorts. He had just some other shorts on. And they ended up winning the competition because of how bad the rookies in the Milwaukee team did, which the Milwaukee team was just disgusting. Like, we let LeBron and Giannis do a lot of stuff because they're the best players, but, like, having Team Giannis every year has to stop. Alex and, and Thanasis and Kostas aren't good players. Please stop making them participate in competitions where I have to watch them dribble basketballs. I don't need it. I don't need it. Um, shout out to Drew Holiday for making that semi-watchable. The rookies were atrocious, but they were at least fun to watch. It was uh, Paolo Bancaro, Jabari Smith Jr., and Jaden uh, Ivey. They were all fun to watch, but they kind of were terrible at a few things. Um, the most interesting one is there was a shooting contest also in this one. It was There was a shooting contest that um, basically they put a bunch of spots around the court, and one person shoots, another guy rebounds, passes it out and you just alternate right so you have one ball and you have to make a shot amount in this uh one minute rounds right here's the final score the rookies got zero made zero baskets although i did see paulo make one they just didn't count it i'm not sure why i didn't care to look the milwaukee bucks in one minute scored eight total points and this is with hitting one that was worth like five points i believe the really far one and the Jazz finished with 13 to win it and then to win the competition altogether. So it was funny. It was interesting, that part at least. I would like to see that expanded to the girls. Um, I think, Caesar, you brought it up last week, uh, and they didn't do it. They don't do the, like, if I had the Dallas team, I would put Luca and Enrique together with, um, you know, maybe a Dallas area local kid or a G League player, maybe one of the legends. Um, I would mix those guys in there um, and then have them run the competition like they used to, but I don't know why they're not doing that because that was fun. It was for City Pride. but Yeah, that that is unfortunate. I would love for them to bring that back because that's one of the few things from All-Star Weekend when I used to watch it that I really enjoyed because I was like, oh, hey, these, this, I, who's this player that I've never seen before? Uh, and there's a, there's, a, there's a girl here playing? There's a WNBA it would help to to broaden it, right? You would think it'd be an easy way for them to sell the products that they're also. I mean, you know, they're basically going into debt to fund the, these two leagues and to get them started. And you know, like you would think, putting in the extra effort to include them in All Star Weekend, beside the celebrity game, would be or in the um, Rising Stars Challenge. Uh, you know, common sense isn't so common. No, it's not. Um, but either way, that was the whole time I wanted to spend on the All-Star game. I did want to see, did you guys have any half-assed suggestions for fixing the All-Star game? All right. Slam the more half-assed, the best. Oh, sl- oh, a slam. Ooh, so you're, you're definitely not getting the best players to play slam ball. 
But I, that we could do something with that. There could be something with that. Even the, just the dunk contest, like I don't know. Adding a trampoline to the dunk contest. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Having yes. regular people go up against them with uh, you trampolines. See, you all saw the video with the mascot hit the backwards half court shot, and then Luca just walked up behind him and did the same yeah. thing. That was so cool. Yeah. Well, he needs to practice his catch and shoot shots. But anyway, maybe his free throws. Uh, oh, no, don't tell pros. Don't don't tell superstars that they get, they get sensitive. Um, but yes, yes, uh, I, I don't mind that idea. Get some trampoline action in there. Um, again, that's definitely not going to work with the star players, but maybe the rising stars. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, have you ever seen unicycle basketball? That's possible. Um, um, okay, you're very avant garde right now. But I would love Obviously, to see you on that. That was fun for me to watch. <laughs> no, you're, these are, that was the half-ass I was looking for, so you've delivered. Caesar, do you have anything? Listen, I can't, I can't follow up uni, unicycle basketball. I, yeah, no, no, no. So we're good. We're good. I only have, hear me. I only had one suggestion, and it was inspired by everyone being so upset about this that they felt like maybe there's a slew soon as day or whatever, but everyone's got to have a take. So everyone says, it was basically a Harlem Globetrotters game. Well, I would disagree. I wish. I would just, yeah, I would disagree. I was like, the Harlem Globetrotters are a blast. I don't know why you would discredit, like, how much fun it is to watch that game. So let's have the Harlem Globetrotters help the guys out. How much more fun would it be if I go out there and I see Steph Curry, like, go out to do a pass and then he has a string on the ball and it comes right back to him? You know, that would be funny. Come on. That would be funny. Let's give these guys props and gags and stuff. Like, then maybe they'll actually enjoy it. Ooh, let's let's get let's get some G Leaguers up against the Harlem Globetrotters. Well, we could do that. Well, no, we don't want to. We don't want to make the because they would smoke the Harlem Globetrotters. Those are like older jo- guys. No, no, no. In a, in a, in a, in oh, a. Oh, it's like the Washington Generals. Glo- yeah. Uh that would probably look goofy on the league though if you did that because then they would be like, "Oh, you're G League, ha ha ha! You can't even beat the Globetrotters." No, I, I guess maybe. Even if even if it was rigged, like yeah, I know. It would just be a goofy perception thing. Honestly, like I said, just bring the Globetrotters in, have them consult. Please stop making our coaches coach the game, by the way. Like, what the hell is the point of a coach in All-Star Game for? Like, get celebrity coaches for All-Star Game. Get former players. Get former coaches. Get somebody who's not busy with an entire season to manage this game. <laughs> like, these are people's vacation times, and you're expecting them to deliver you a good product while they're competing. And you, the, by the way, if you don't know, you pick the number one coach in each division. So Denver and uh, are in conference, and both. Oh, I thought LeBron and Giannis are just the coaches. No, they were the team captains, so they just picked the teams. But it was Denver's uh, coaching staff, and it was Boston's coaching staff. Well, yeah, that's that's immediately right there. You just let one of the, let the, let let there be a player coach. If we could vote on a player coach, so that way we could get Theo Pinson in. There you go. Honestly, I'm good with that too. Um, but I wanted to finish with one thing. Uh, remember, it was just a couple of years ago. This format was good. Um, I've heard on Zach Lowe's podcast, uh, which everyone, you know, for the most part, listens to uh, in basketball world. He, 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 and um, I figure, forget who he was talking about talking to. Essentially, said the same thing that I was that I think is possible is hey, just remix it again. If this keeps getting stale. Remix it yeah. again. Do a one-on-one tournament. Do a three-on-three tournament. Those were the things they suggested. Suggested. Uh-huh. Um, Bring back know, the horse. We don't have yeah, to have except- tradition. Except- 
Well, I was just going to finish off. There was one thing is that note that Zach said that I'll, I'll the last time I'll parrot Zach Lowe today. Um, he, uh, he was like, it's an absolute non-starter that we do the MLB style. And I agree. I'm not listening to that. I don't care. I, it still blows my mind that the MLB does what they do. What, what do you mean? If, if, oh, make it important? N- yes. I, I, are you uh, serious? They oh, they, they did. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Good. Thank God, MLB. Because that was, that was the most bullshit I, thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm like a fellow. Let me check. Now you're making a question that. I'm pretty sure they got rid of that. That that was so bonkers. Like I was, I that was one of the hardest lessons of being a ba- new baseball fan when the Rangers got good. No, yeah, that, that fucked us pretty hard. But um, we can do. Yeah. Either way, so that was that's it with the All Star Game. We ran uh, almost ten minutes over on it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. Uh, honestly, with the general stuff, I just wanted to give like a preview. You guys want to talk about anything in ex- in extended detail? We can. Um, I just wanted to give everybody like a quick, hey, let's. While obviously all the games got started tonight, um, give you some some topics to look at and things to care about moving forward. Um, is there anything you guys particularly wanted to jump at? I mean, there's a couple of talking points I want to bring up, um, but I can just kind of run down this list of my my second half preview. Um, I think the Hawks coach thing, I think you, I know you have that on there. I oh yeah, we'll stop at that for sure. The only thing that's really, really, uh. Oh. Who's getting arrested? Yeah, who's getting robbed right now? Dude, that's just my entire it's, life sounds like it's that. It's okay, right I live here. off Mockingbird, yeah. and I hear that shit all the time yeah. too. Um, but yes, alright, oh, so. Oh, that's fine. Go ahead. You're good. So, alright. Second half, previews. We'll start with the most important thing, health. Got Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, all three very important names, all three very not playing basketball right now. Uh, Kevin Durant reports that he'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, Steph Curry should be back or elevate, uh, reevaluated in another week. So probably about a week out from those two very important rosters getting their best players back. And then Giannis, uh, not a super serious wrist injury, but there's not a timeline on it. Most likely saying that in one or two weeks he'd be back is the way I would look at that. Um, probably not a lot to stop there on. I just wanted to give everybody a quick idea of when to look for the new Phoenix Suns, to look for whatever the Warriors are going to look for as they defend the title. And, of course, Giannis, I mean, most would, most would think of him as the best player in basketball. And his team is certainly positioned to attempt to win a second title in three years. Uh, so those three names are very important. Um, moving into the next thing I wanted to look at. Um, are we going to see a shameless tankorama? Or are we going to see a great American mid-off? So... We have the Nets, the Hawks, the Wizards, the Raptors, the Bulls, the Pacers, the Thunder, the Trailblazers, and the Jazz, who all sort of sit in this weird predicament. Now, the Nets don't control their own pick, I believe, so maybe they're a little different, where they still should just try to win as many games as possible, even if their season is sort of handicapped already by the fact that they had a jettison their two best players midseason. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But... So maybe we'll take them out because maybe being mid is just about as good as anything for them. But for the Hawks, the Wizards, the Raptors, the Bulls, the Pacers, the Thunder, the Blazers, and the Jazz, few of those teams more than 
the others have plenty good reason to just be done with the season here to say, ah, maybe we can, you know, get into that Victor Wembanyama stakes, help us out. But it seems like more and more we're seeing because of the play in theoretically, I would assume teams are competing for the play in more often than they're not. It's why the wizards didn't sell. It's why the Raptors didn't sell. It's why bulls didn't sell. Honestly, it's why even the Pacers and the Thunder the, and the Trailblazers didn't sell more than they did or move more parts. Jazz, too. And they made moves, but not a ton. So you're talking about a lot of teams that see the, the positive sides in the money, right? Like, that's the easiest argument is the extra money for playing in a play-in game and getting to host at least two games in that first round. We know that's the biggest part, especially Michael Jordan. I know he's sad right now. He's like, oh, my team sucks, so I, I know they're not going to the play-in. But if there was a way for him to get into the play-in, he'd try to get into the play-in. So I'm interested, as you guys are more casual basketball fans than I would be, does this interest you that there seems to be, and maybe we're wrong, there could be shameless tanking coming, but there seems to be a trend of teams willing to take the middle as a positive instead of a negative. Uh, yeah, I'm actually very interested in that because I, I'm of the mindset that if you don't have a chance to win the title, there is no point in being in the middle. Yeah, I mean, that's so a lot of sports. After, go after Wim, go after Wimbiama, you know? I, yeah. Well, you, you, you see, you'll see it in football. You, you might even see it in baseball, though, to a lesser extent, because the draft, not to say it doesn't matter in baseball, but we see the results of a draft way later than we'll see it in football or basketball. Yeah. And so with this group, you know, the Hawks, we already will talk in the, in more about them later. There's not, not any real reason for them to tank. Uh, the Wizards, the Raptors, um, they're sort of both in that we have a lot of talent, but it's not doing what we want it to. So we're just going to sit on this and maybe it gets better. The Bulls, same way, um, except for I think that's a little more doom and gloom. Um, the Pacers, the Thunder, and the Trailblazers and the Jazz, that's the interesting teams to me. Because those are all four teams where they should, they argue, you know, you argue the, the theory, they should be the ones trying to drop out. But they're all four sort of young teams other than Dame in Portland. But he's surrounded by a lot of young guys. They all need to have playoff experience. They all need to have something to grow on, not necessarily to add another you know, young player to develop. So you can see where the logic is, where the, all four of those teams would still be interested in continuing to compete for playoff spots, even though, sure, logically, you'd be like, hey, you know what? What are we realistically? What should we still, what do we still need? Hey, that 7-5 guy would be really cool if we could just be in the lottery. You know, even if we were the 14th team that has almost no shot. Um, you know, it would, it would just be interesting to see the conversations, even if it's not just for women. Yama, there's a lot of talented kids. So, um, and draft picks are always important as far as equity. So uh, it's just interesting to see. I, I didn't think we would get to this place with the play in, um, but it does seem like it's some proof that the play in makes, uh, the regular season more competitive than it has been previously. Um, no, for sure. Now I, I, I will say this though. Um, I know that there's the a, a lot of, at least from the from the league perspective, right? There's there's this want to you want your teams to be competitive and whatnot, uh, obviously because you you don't want, even though the fans know that you're probably tanking. The league doesn't want the the fan base to believe that because they, they want to develop a strong league, they want a strong audience. It's like, hey, watch your favorite team play. They have a chance to win. They have. I just I'm just wondering. 
if we do this whole great American middle, right? If that's if that's the direction that we go, is that is the league going to start doing more uh, internally to try to convince these teams to keep going that route? Because for the longest time, it's been a lot of hey, if we're bad, we're just and we know we're bad, we're just going to tank it, and there's really nothing you can do about it. Well, there's always going to have to be clever tanking. Yeah, but it, it, at this point, it's like we all know. Like even the league, I'm sure is aware. It's like, all right, it, we know that they're tanking, but we can't necessarily prove it. Well, uh, but if there's a great American middle, like like in this scenario of like, all right, these teams are all going to try to play for the plan, and I don't know, maybe that that positively affects the ratings, right? Like year over year, you they can have a the sample size like. Hey, these teams right here, their ratings went up in their local markets because they were in the playoff hunt. Uh, we want to keep continue to encourage that and not continuously encourage tanking, right? So I'm just wondering if we if that happens, if this if this happens, right? The, this race for essentially the 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 eighth the not the eighth spot, but the, you know the playing spots, the, the ninth and the tenth spots, essentially. Yeah, the ninth and tenth spots essentially. If we if we do get that, it, do we see maybe like a culture shift in in the NBA among teams and how they go about their end of season uh, runs? Well, I don't know if there's even been the... a, a culture shift towards tanking as much as it's just a matter of life. Like I don't think that everyone wants to tank or everyone believes in tanking universally, but there are some teams who realize that they can only build one way. And are foolish to believe in another. Spurs um, waited until they got pop a thousand wins or whatever. Russell Westbrook is officially a Clipper, and I feel lukewarm about it. I definitely gave a whole speech about how I think it's an awful idea, so I don't want to walk that back. I will say I'm rooting for him. And I will say I am interested to see how much of a leash they give him. The introductory press conference sure made it sound like they were about to play a lot of Russell Westbrook minutes. I'm not so sure about that. Um, but one thing I will say, I think this is awesome for Russ as a person to continue to stay in L.A. and build a legacy there. Because I think even if the Lakers would have kept him and if it would have been better than it ended up being, there could have been a path where he stayed on a better deal and was a more useful player to them on a better salary. Now he gets to be that in L.A. already, right? And maybe in the future, if this goes well, he can continue to do that. Um, this is also an interesting moment for the Clippers because they've always wanted to, you know, that's there's literally no secret that they've done everything they can to try to unseat the Lakers in L.A. We know that's kind of a fool's errand, but all you can do is what you can is handle on yourself. They've got this beautiful new stadium. They've spent all this money. They've got a great head coach, one in my opinion, one of the best in the league. They've got two of the best wings in basketball. They've got a stacked roster. They killed the trade deadline. They've, for the first time in you know four seasons, basically, they they're playing their team multiple uh, games back to backs. They're, you know we're getting to see the real Clippers, what they were supposed to look like. Um, and and you bring in Russ, and you have Russ, Kawhi, PG, three big names. That's that's usually what the Lakers do. Um, all three LA kids, all three, the LA kids that more than likely spent time at Clippers games more than Lakers games because of how affordable or how, you know, accessible they were, um, right. at the time. Right. 
So this is a good moment. I mean, if those three pull off a title, um, that's a really big moment for the Clippers. You know, it does not get them anywhere near that Laker lore, um, but it's certainly a shot. It's certainly them finally sitting there and firing a real shot at the Lakers that matters. Um, not this whole, we own the Lakers in the regular season. It's like, yeah, cool. I get it. But like, you know, the Lakers have been dog shit for the last two seasons. So how much does that really matter? So it's an interesting one. Uh, like I said, I'm rooting for it. It's a crazy important uh, LA narrative and, and storyline to monitor. Um, but that's about it that needs to be said on Russ. Uh, if you guys have anything else that needs to be said on Russ that hasn't been said. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think I have an original thought on, on Russ Russell yeah. Westbrook right now. He is what he is. Like no one's gonna lie about that. So we'll move on from that. Um, but it is notable because I mean, hey, if they use him right, that's a hell of an addition to add to a stupid deep team. Um and like I said, it's Russell Westbrook is not great when he's one third of your salary, uh when he's barely a you know, whatever, a fraction of it, like a $1 million contract, that's different. Um, but we'll move into the Hawks. Um, the Hawks fired um, their coach. Uh, Nate, Nate is now, uh, I guess, going to wait off the, probably just retire until the Seattle job, and they'll just bring him in like Paul Silas was whenever they, uh, RIP Paul Silas, whenever they uh, brought Charlotte back. And they were just like, let's just get us an old guy who knows a lot about the NBA. Um, so I'm, I'm calling that shot now, putting on, putting on wax. You guys can say you heard it here first. The, um, GM said they would act immediate and aggressively. And then before we could even get to the recording, uh, rumors that they were already closing in on Quinn Snyder are approaching, uh, which makes sense. That'd be the best coach on the market. Um, so if they want to, I feel like it's reasonable that Quinn Snyder could be coaching the Hawks next Friday the 3rd. Dude, that bringing in a new coach mid-season like that? I think it's happened before. Feels like it. Yeah, I think Phil Jackson came back in the mid-season with the Lakers whenever he came back before that the last no. two titles. Now, when he came back, like how far removed was he from the team in terms of time away? Phil had just left. <laughs> so it's like the system is still there. Like a lot of those yeah, players would be familiar. Phil had just left. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, this this is gonna. I feel like this might be a little bit unprecedented in, in modern basketball. And then you take a guy who hasn't been in the building, and then like, all right, well, just go ahead. I, you know what to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, so, so I, I figure would, it out. I get it. Quinn's, so we knew this was coming anyway, right? This was we thought this was gonna happen a while back. And they kept Nate, and I guess Nate kept himself more than anything. Is the way it was kind of being reported. Um, and then they found the guy, and maybe there's some tampering. I don't know if it's tampering because Quinn is not a free agent. He is a free agent, but Utah can still demand something for him. I think. Uh, either way, I don't. I don't know. Um, he's the best coach on the, can, uh, the on the board. I think this is an interesting question I want to pose for Patrick because this told me a lot about San Antonio. It felt like because it really. Not just because it's easy because, oh, he came from Pop's system. But it felt like an easy move for Pop to finish this season, retire, and then hand the keys to Quinn Snyder, who would be as great a get as you could possibly get for the Spurs. Um, maybe this now says either one, Quinn's not interested in returning, 
which you know maybe you could read as a bigger indictment, but I won't go that far, or that this is maybe a, a sign that Greg Popovich is truly like kind of hampering down for another like I don't know five years sounds not super unrealistic. Not that there's not other candidates. There's a lot of ex people who have come from the San Antonio system. It was just Quinn was so perfect. Like it was like, like obnoxious how perfect Quinn would have been. Um, so I guess I'm I'm interested in your opinion on that. Hold on, guys. I, I think I lost him for like a second. Patrick? Patrick, you there? Oh, I think I think we lost Patrick. Oh, Patrick. It's okay. We'll pretend like I didn't ask that question. Yeah, no, that's totally fine. Oh, and we'll, we'll pretend, pretend like I didn't hear it. The San Antonio aspect of that didn't happen because we did get the whole rest of the Quinn Snyder thing in there. Um, but yeah, so I think we're we'll keep rolling. Yeah. What what if what if, what if Patrick was the one who was robbed? For real, the cops are cops are coming. This is gonna be great for him to record, just uh, to to edit just all this dead airspace that he left. I mean, we could always just finish it out too, because there's only three other things. Um, yeah, we got. Um, uh, I was uh, one one thing. Get back is to the he, Hawks. Is there is there a chance that he fell asleep? Could he have fallen asleep behind the mic? I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ping him real quick. See if that, uh, yeah. Let's see. Maybe, maybe he has Discord on his phone. Who knows? All right, yeah, we can finish this up though. But yeah, we can finish it and at least be on the recording uh, in a hilarious manner, I'm sure. So uh, anyway, yeah, the Hawks fired Nate um, and are bringing in somebody quickly, and their schedule sets up perfectly for it. So I do think it's possible it'll happen soon. Um, moving into the next group, I wanted to say so we have Lonzo Ball officially shut down. Um, an unreliable source, but I guess an inter- maybe. Reliable source, Tristan Thompson, said that he overheard somebody talking about how it was uh, over, that they had never seen this kind of injury before. Well, uh, but when you say unreliable, I, I think we know what in what aspects of life he's unreliable. <laughs> maybe he's reliable here. Yeah, maybe he's a reliable teammate. Maybe not so much a spouse. I but... have not seen him on ESPN much, so I don't know how that's been going. Um, but that's where he apparently said it. Um, Pat Beverly swore that he was going to get the Bulls in and, and then be able to cancel the Lakers out. Uh, the two teams play in late March when they both would either probably be eliminated or barely trying to push in. Um, so who knows if Pat Beverly will be able to try to do that. Um, but yeah, so that, I just thought that was interesting. Um, this that is that is funny, really, though, the, uh, the, the Pat Bev making the Lakers is – Public enemy number one and <laughs> playing in a completely different conference. Um, uh, but yeah, so, uh, you know, for Lonzo, this is pretty scary moment. This is pretty much where you wonder what, how long, where he's going to play again, when he's going to play again. Um, 
So it's a note. We've kind of been talking about it a little bit over the time we've been running this show. Uh, yeah. hope, hope it's, I hope it's it, better, but uh, it still yeah, feels like we won't even see him next year. If you can remind me, what what is the – in like we're – that's is it the, upper body, lower body? It's a knee issue, man. That's the thing. And, and and it's the fact that we don't know is probably the worst part. Yeah, that's crazy though to to think that we've we've had well over a hundred years of professional sports, and if this is really an injury I haven't seen before, that that's gonna be crazy. Um, human body's interesting and everyone's different. So we will find out with Lonzo, uh, but hoping the best there. Uh, moving into the last couple topics here, um, we have uh, a Lakers magic improbable push run. So, of course, everyone knows plenty about the Lakers because they're well-documented. Um, they're pretty far back. Um, the magic are as well. Both teams were the 13th seed or have been the 13th seed for a lot of the season. Um, but both are still not completely out of the playoff picture as well. Um, 638 has the Lakers with a 35% chance of making the playoffs or the play in, I believe. And the magic with a 0.6. Um, I think that's hella low, uh, given how good the magic have been. Um, but still reasonable to understand that they're basically having to deadlift themselves quite a bit, um, from their very atrocious starts in this season. Uh, the Lakers just got this new team together. Uh, as I turned on tonight's game, they were smacking the Warriors, but that the Warriors came back and made it a little close at halftime. That's where they're at now. Um, obviously, they'll have to win a lot of games. Um, Orlando uh, beat Detroit tonight, which isn't the biggest win in the world, but it's another dub nonetheless. Um, the uh, most notable stat in these two teams chasing is the Lakers play 15 games against teams that are ahead of them in the standings, and the Orlando Magic play 12. So if there's ever a big swing to make, you would want those games to go more your way than they don't. Um, and then finally, <clears throat> I could make a comparison to this globally, but we're, we could be on the precipice of World War III, so I'm not going to make a joke about that right now. It could get poorly timed soon. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. There are a few paper tigers, in my opinion, or potential fake paper tigers. I think number one is pretty obvious, the Denver Nuggets. Everyone has been uh, clowning them on social media, calling them the Atlanta Hawks of 2016, if anyone remembers uh, how Ooh. funny that yeah. group was. Uh, where they yeah. had, I think they had five starters or five players in the All-Star game, and none of them were really – Al Horford deserved it, I think. The rest of it was like, Kyle Korver? Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Jeff Teague? Uh, yeah. Okay. You're just like, well, wait, Damari De Carroll? Are you sure? Um, I actually, I don't even know if Damari Carroll was on that. I just that was, was it? Fun. Was it the 2015-16 Hawks, yeah. or was it the 16-17 yeah. Hawks? 15-16, okay. I believe. Yeah, because they won like 60 games, but they were they got curb stomped in the playoffs because they weren't real. Um, I don't know that the Denver Nuggets are that bad. I know that they have a legitimate reason to, of concern. I don't know that I would put them in that category yet. Um. But, you know, they're unfortunately stuck in the same repetition of if we haven't seen you do it, no one believes you. So uh, we'll see when they can do. I don't really think there's too much to elaborate on other than the fact that I think they have enough talent to do it. It's just a matter of if they can. And there's a huge question of what they can do as far as rim protection. Um, the Kings, I think that's the easiest paper tiger to point out because they're 
kind of an obvious paper tiger. Um, they've done exceptionally well to start the season. I think they're both going to get. I think they're going to get passed by Phoenix and the Clippers as the season winds down. Um, I I mean, you can call them paper tiger. I think we just all should be happy the Kings are good. They're a fun team, man. Not, I, like paper tiger or not, like that's a that's a franchise that's been down on the dumps for way too long now. And the yeah. fact that they're just a fun team to watch, like they're winning games and sure it may not be sustainable, but the fact that they win games in a way that will entertain like somebody like myself or somebody like Patrick, you know, like, like the casual fan who just yeah. wants to see something entertaining. Like, you know, there's something to be said about that. If they're still like this next year, then we can be concerned right now. We're not going to worry too much. The Grizzlies are kind of in the same position. Now that's different with the age range, how they were built, whatever, but the Grizzlies, are in a similar situation where, well, now is t- now is the time for you at least to show us something. You guys don't have a lot on your playoff resume, and you talk like you've won a couple titles. Yeah, so, they, they they do be talking. The Grizz are on there, but the Grizz are definitely talented. I think their depth is a little questionable. Um, I think they they have a lot of depth, but they don't have a lot of experience playoff guys. Like, I think they have one of the best 1 through 15 rosters where they have just so much talent. So many guys I'm interested to see how they develop. But not necessarily a bunch of guys where I'm like, okay, if the playoffs started right now, let's roll. Like, if that's the situation, I'm actually pretty worried. Um, and then the final Paper Tiger, the one that I think is the most interesting Paper Tiger for off-season narratives, the Philadelphia 76ers. Ooh. So I think that... This team is clearly one of the most talented rosters in basketball. They've started to play like it. If they don't keep it up, or if they do fall, Doc Rivers has been down this road before. James Harden has been down this road before. And unfortunately, Joel Embiid has been down this road before a little bit more than people want to talk about. I think it's a pretty interesting conversation to have about Philly because, I, I mean... Maybe it sounds crazy because maybe they're on the precipice of winning a title. But if this thing explodes, Harden dips back to Houston where he gets all the money and power and control again and a bunch of young players. Doc Rivers gets fired because obviously at that point, you're blaming Doc for that shit. You start figuring out maybe do I move Maxi? Do we, do we, do we build around Maxi? Do we move Tobias Harris? Do we have any assets left to do anything with? And then you wonder, is Joel Embiid finally just going to be tired of the bullshit? And will a pretty significant trip chip on the trade market start to you know, pop up about draft time? I just think it's an interesting thought. Interesting thought. Uh, everybody could explode. I mean, if Boston fails miraculously, we could finally see... The Brown, the Brown Tatum um, marriage end. You know, no one's, no one's uh, only Golden State at this point. I mean, even Anthony Davis and LeBron, they have a title together, and I wouldn't be surprised if they had to break that up. Um, you know, I don't think anybody wants to, but there's certain situations where you wouldn't be surprised, and I think Philly's starting to starting to look at that. I'm starting to look at Philly, and I'm like, hey, this is your window. If you don't maximize it, maybe it's not fair, but you may not get a second chance. Yeah, with with Philly, like I, I know it's a little too early to to have this conversation right now, but 
who would be a good fit there for that roster in terms of the next guy to take over for Doc? Because I've I've never been a Doc Rivers guy. I, I don't believe in the guy as a coach. Honestly, like, yes, I know he has an NBA title, but there's just so much evidence to prove that he well, he's just not built for like those postseason runs. So I would say there's two two things to this. I would say if they explode, I would say it, it's almost impossible to wonder if the guy who's taking over isn't taking over a rebuilding job around Tyrese Maxey. Because that's I do think the stakes are high, and I don't think that the Sixers are. I don't know. Maybe they're going to double down around Embiid, and he's so invested in the city, and the city certainly is invested in him. Um, I, I don't think it's impossible. I don't think it's impossible. But if if they were, I mean, I love Sam Cassell, but you know, you're, everyone's going to get annoyed if you just hire the assistant coach. Um, I just I just think Sam Cassell probably deserves a shot at this point. Um, even though being Doc's assistant what's, is what keeps him away, probably. Um, you know, I don't know if there is a slam dunk coach because a lot of these coaches that are kind of the next guys in line, unless you're able to steal Quinn Snyder, which doesn't seem likely now, I don't know who the, I don't know that there is an answer out there. You're going to be taking an assistant. You're going to be taking a former player. You're going to be taking a shot on somebody most likely. Um, you know, and at that point, I don't know. I don't know if there's an answer there. Like I said, I think if Philly falters this season, I think it would. I think Embiid would probably have every reason to start to want to use his power um, to get a better situation or to you know remix his situation into something that he likes better because they have a lot of talent, a lot of different um, contracts that could work. You know, they have they have some different ways they can maneuver without the picks. So. I just finish it off by saying I'm interested with Philly. Uh, their stakes are high. There's a lot of people with some high stakes, but I think that Philly has to have the highest, in my opinion. Fair enough. All right. Well, I'll be interested to see what happens to that because that that is a that is too talented of a basketball team, in my opinion, for them to not at least push for the Eastern Conference Finals or be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, and and of course. Not to the belabor this, but I mean, it is the second half of the uh, season preview. We can finish it with this. Um, maybe it's a maybe it's a pot shot. You could call it that. Maybe there's some vitriol behind me bringing this up, but it would be interesting if they lost the NBA Finals. Um, in the city of Philadelphia, <laughs> it's gonna burn. <laughs> city of Philadelphia would be. There's a documentary coming if that happens. That's all I know. One hundred percent. Could you imagine that all four of their major professional sporting teams losing the championships of their respective leagues? That would be. It would be incredible. It would. It would be amazing content. I would. I would. I would watch that. I mean, I would be pained by seeing the uh, being reminded of the Eagles' failure, but I'm not necessarily invested in other Philadelphia sporting franchises. Just imagine if the Flyers were useful. Oh man, I I don't think I could. I don't I don't think I'm capable. Even I, who don't who doesn't really follow hockey that much, know that the Flyers are not. They're just, they're just a joke. <laughs> in in Philadelphia sports circles, I think I can hear uh, Patrick's dog drinking water. I hope so. That's what that sounds like. <laughs> All right. Well. Well. Yeah, I don't know if you can hear audio of what sounds like oh, a I, dog I drinking it. water. I hear it. Um, hey, I think we landed the plane. Oh, definitely, definitely. 
I don't. We, we know ran the two man game, right? You were, we were, we were Kyrie and Luca. Yeah. Hey, I don't know how much of this is gonna have to get chopped out. How much dead audio is coming, Patrick? I'm sorry about it. Um, we've done all we can do. Uh, take your yeah. dog outside. Sounds like he's, uh, she's got some some water that has just gotten to their system. So, um, but sees, I think I'm done. I think that today was a chill pod. Um, like I said, I feel bad for Patrick having to find the spot where maybe that's what let's let's send him a little. Or I don't know, that doesn't work. Timestamp won't work like that. Whatever. Yeah, no, he's, he's he's yeah. Just just listen towards like the last I don't know, fifteen minutes of the pod, and you'll you'll find the dead audio. <laughs> what if he doesn't wake up for hours? We can't. Oh, that's stop true. This. <laughs> oh, that's wait. No, I think we can. There's a look look over. We could we could hit stop, stop recording. My stop on, recording uh, on Craig. So... Oh, okay, okay. I'm afraid to hit stop recording, but I feel like we should. I, I'll, I'll be the one who does it. No worries. All right. All right. Sounds like we'll, we'll, we'll come back next week and hopefully we won't lose Patrick again. <laughs> I don't care. It's a funny bit. That is. All right. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Later. Thank you for listening to Pass the Rock. Join us next week. And remember, tell your friends. This is past the rest.